0: to another episode of How's the Market, a podcast for first home buyers and upgraders that gives you tips, tricks, and up-to-date real estate information from on the ground across Melbourne and Geelong. This podcast is brought to you by Tommy Buyers Agents. My name is Tristan Larkin and with me, I have my co-host Jonah Howard. How are you doing, mate?
1: I'm doing very well, sir. How are you?
0: Good, good. Coming to the end of winter, but the sun is shining. The property market is coming back to us.
1: I'm still freezing though.
0: It is still freezing, but things are things are looking up. How's, uh, how's it been on the ground for you over the over the last weekend?
1: Um, it was super busy out there. I think we're just starting to catch up, probably to Melbourne. But it was, yeah, really, really busy. A lot of buys out there. Really, there you go. A lot of confidence back. Um, I reckon there was about fifty people at this open I went to in Geelong West. There was a lot of people there. Um, yeah, so very exciting. Really. Yeah.
0: What What was the What was the open? Just to give like myself and the listeners a bit of an understanding of what sort of property types are, are the really popular ones um so
1: yeah, it was a it was a 1.2 well i had 1.2 million dollars on it um in geelong west a beautiful little pocket about a three beddy, three betty with a study um yeah and there was just a lot of young couples with like yeah maybe one or two kids young couples in there young professionals um all all looking to kind of enter the market so yeah, very exciting stuff. Mm.
0: And that's a great spot, Geelong West. That's that blue chip real estate out there.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, just just a quick update from um, like my side of things as well. The well, a good a good update actually. So last week I, I spoke about the properties that had over sixty groups through the inspections. I will preface that inspection numbers don't always mean interested buyers. Like if it's a really unique property, it could just be all of the neighbors that are like, wow, we want to have a look inside that always wonder what it's like. So you can get really high inspection numbers. However, these ones from last week, one of them, I went through again, the second week in a row, it went from 60 something groups, but by the second week, they had 108 groups recorded and multiple offers way above the top end of the range, which does, which does show that it was underquoted, and they've brought the auction forward. So it's essentially going to be on the market for less than two weeks and had, offers putting it pretty much on the market um, and bringing things forward so and that's sort of what we're seeing a few agents now have told me that for the first time they've got stock coming up so they think that supplies like the pressures on supply are going to be lifting a bit Um, interestingly it does correlate to when this fixed rate cliff is expiring which is pretty much now Um, the vast majority of properties expiring uh, in the second half of 2023 of uh, mortgages expiring off their fixed rates. So that all aligns up. But today we wanted to touch on something. I I think this is so important. It's a really big topic that I'm starting to see a little bit on recently. And it's avoiding costly mistakes, what to prioritize in your property search. So on that and, and what we've just touched on is essentially... Demand is up due to net overseas migration, the rental crisis, many other factors. Supply is low. A lot of people are just fearful of selling um, due to interest rates and due to sort of a culmination of things. Essentially, it just means that we're slightly in more of a seller's market now than we are a buyer's market. And when a good property comes up, as I've just sort of described in that recent example, they move pretty quickly. And what I've seen time and time again is people essentially they're they're not doing the correct due diligence and they're compromising on more things than they should be. So just really wanted to touch on today that there is a few things that you should probably never compromise on and we just want to go through some of the big ones. Now, I will let you know that the last two are the most important. So stick around and find out what they are. But the first one to kick it off, What you should never, you should never, never compromise on is your budget. Now, I was reading an article recently. It's it's the the 2022 Finder First Home Buyer Report. They publish a report once a year where they interview essentially 1,000 first home buyers and just get a whole lot of data on them. Now, there was a very disturbing statistic in this report. And that was that only 43% of first home buyers in 2022 purchased at the budget that they initially set out at so that's only 43 percent so 20 percent of them were um, better off though they purchased below budget but that leaves 37 percent of first home buyers purchasing above the budget that they set out at initially now the numbers of what they purchased above range from between five thousand dollars up to hundred and fifty thousand dollars So I think there was 4% of people that said they purchased $150,000 over their budget. Now, obviously, everyone's in different circumstances. Everyone's purchasing at different price points. It did also say that the vast majority of purchases um, or like the most common budget for first-home buyers was in between $550,000 and $750,000. So take that as you may. But the easiest way for someone to feel buyer's remorse, regret the purchase, and then be in a position where they're forced to sell early is purchasing over the budget. So it's so important. You want to make sure that your financial health is put first and we're going to have to get more um, brokers on to chat, chat with both of us because you don't want to be in a position where your last penny is used for your deposit and then all your purchasing costs. And then when you get your loan, you've got nothing, right? You want to always make sure that you've got some financial buffers left over And just have good financial architecture to make sure that you're in a position that has got like a good financial foundation. So yeah, do not compromise on budget integrity. Set out what you can spend up to and then just do not look at anything that you believe is going to sell over that. It's just so important. Now, the next thing is location. So this one is, I think it's the easiest one to compromise on. if you're looking in you know desirable suburb a maybe you've looked for 2 months there's not much coming up there's not much available online you just want to go through some properties because you've got a budget and you've got a pre-approval it's expiring so you start looking in other areas that you might not consider or you might not like and then you like you're getting into the areas that don't really tick the boxes for you but hey the house is cool like you get a bigger house for the same budget but the location's not there or maybe you start looking in main roads or maybe you start looking on the train line or underneath the enormous high tension power lines or you start looking you know on in the areas underneath flight paths the properties that have been on the market for 60 90 120 days plus you start looking at those ones ones that people don't really like just because you want to get into something it's common especially when you've been looking for a while like it's i've heard a lot of first home buyers tell me that um, searching for a property on the Saturday every week feels like the second job. So, I get it, but that's what the, we're here this, for. Another thing, you, yeah, you just don't want to compromise on it, right? Like, you know, like, mm. yeah, you can. It, you you just run a massive risk because you got to think of it when you try to resell. So when you're reselling this property, if you're looking at the ones that no one else is interested in, you're probably gonna have capital growth hindered in comparison to the rest of the suburb. So if you're not on the good streets, if you're on the area a bit rough, like on on the rough side of town sort of thing, or like right near commercial districts or you're in an apartment and underneath you is a uh, commercial facility, they could change tenants and owners and things could be vastly different at any time. So they're they're just all a bunch of risks essentially that I'd recommend you just try to stay away from as best as you can. So what you can consider then if you're in a position like that is try to keep the, the, the good location and maybe look at the property type. So if you're currently looking at a 4 better, maybe look at a three. Or if you're looking at a house, maybe look at a unit. Or if you're looking at a unit, maybe look at an apartment. Though you should listen to our podcast that we did um, just recently on our apartments, a good first purchase because there's, there's a lot of caveats in there. Though that would be the second tip. So try not to compromise on the location something will come up eventually like you just need to be you need to be patient and you need to be relaxed and you should just try not to rush rush anything there so we'll okay we'll go into point three then so point three i've got listed as amenities and infrastructure so you want to prioritize the areas with with sound infrastructure proximity to social hubs potentials for future growth so I've, t- I've touched on this before as well, but some areas just don't have the infrastructure and amenities developed. So it's something that's really important. Like if you don't have access to the freeways or public transport or the, you know, just the, the, the necessary schools, like you've got to drive forever to get to the closest school and then traffic becomes a nightmare or there's no shops or like whatever it is, all of these things are so important just for your practical day-to-day living. So you don't want to compromise on the things that are going to affect your day-to-day life. So we always recommend, we call it like just stomping the pavement. So if you're looking in an area that you're not 100% familiar with, literally walk the streets, get up the maps and map how long is it going to take to get to your parents' place or how long is it going to take to get to school, work, the local shops you know, if you're making dinner at night and you've forgotten an ingredient, you need to run down to the shops. Is it a 15 minute one way trip? Like where these are just things that, you know, if you're looking in new suburbs that they just haven't been built out yet, you can look at the precinct structure plans to see where things are going to be. But again, like we'll have to do another episode on that because even then things aren't guaranteed if they're not already sort of being built or underway. So yeah, you want to make sure that you're not compromising on things that are going to heavily affect your day to day living because, and I've spoken to people that have done this, and what ends up happening is that they end up selling sooner because they're just like, no, nah, I honestly just can't deal with this. Maybe the first year or the first two years, you're like, yeah, this is fine, you know, happy to wait. And then, you know, year three, four, and five, you're like, no, nah, let's just sell. Who cares if we make money? I need to get out of here. And then that's when one opportunity cost comes in but then just financial costs come in like property is expensive to transact on there's heavy costs going in stamp duty and there's heavy costs going out agent fees and then stamp duty again to get back in right so you want to try to minimize the amount of times you need to purchase property and and try to think long term and that brings us on to the next point so property size and layout so This one is something that we saw massively in COVID, right? So people were purchasing properties that were perfect for them during lockdown. This is especially a Victorian one, right? Like a lot of people, you know, moved to the country. They purchased lifestyle properties. You you saw like the Mornington Peninsula just went ballistic throughout COVID, like 40% gains um, in some suburbs, streets. And then what's happened like a lot of people also were like oh well you know covid's here we're all working from home let's who cares about the office or what you know the company i'm working for let's move it an hour and a half out we'll get a bit of land we'll just have a home office set up and you know bob's your uncle and what what's happened is a lot of these people are now are getting called back to the office or they've realized hey i'm like nowhere near my friends or maybe like the house is even like too big for them that, you know, they've got three bed plus two study. It's like a five bed house. There's two of them living there, you know, like it was great in COVID, you know, you, you had your you know friends or p- family or whatever staying over, but it's just not the right house for them. And this can go the other way as well. Like if you're, if you've got two kids and you purchase a two bedder and they're, you know, they're young. So it's okay from just sort of bunk bed in the same room, but one or two years' time, you're like, hmm, now I need to upsize. Like, they're the things that you shouldn't really compromise on. So, it's, it's just carefully assess your actual space needs and try to make the property that you purchase a long-term purchase so that you don't have to sell and then rebuy within like a five to ten-year time frame. Like, try to make it over five years as the bare minimum. Like, ideally, it should be ten. And but then also you also you also want to carefully balance not buying something that is just too big and manageable for you and it's just not exactly what you need. So you just really need to look at your scenario and your living situation. Do you really need all of that? Um, And then try to find something that actually matches your criteria. Like don't buy something just because you know there's nothing available. This is a this is there like let's just grab that. that that's that's the thing that we we don't want to avoid now coming in to the second last point here, I think this is the most important one and this is something that I have to coach buyers on a lot is property condition so never compromise on getting a building and pest inspection or just properly assessing the structural condition of a property prior to purchase. It doesn't matter if the home is brand new or if it is 60 years old. The biggest mistake that you can make is not checking. And if you're strapped for cash and, you know, maybe you've missed out on a couple and you've already done two building and pest inspections and this one you're like, oh, I don't even know if I'm going to get it. Like, let's just put an unconditional offer in. Don't. You can make, you can make your purchase or your offer subject to a building and pest inspection that can protect you a little bit more like if you're going to auction it's different you just need to get it done just do not compromise on this if you purchase a property and it doesn't matter if it's new if it's new there's just as many there's just it's just as likely to have structural issues as if it's not and you purchase something that does have structural issues it's buy beware like you can't go back and you know sue the vendor or anything like that it's like it's not their responsibility it's your responsibility to check if you purchase something, and you know there's sixty to eighty or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars of damage, or it just needs to be knocked down, that is on you. So, I think a building and pest inspection is going to be the best five hundred dollars that you have ever spent, and you should just make sure that you never compromise on that. And then, the last one is just due diligence. So, it's just thinking about the things and and just doing the important things that needs to be done on every single property purchase right like and i've done this before i've done an episode um um, on the podcast called what is due diligence so i recommend checking that out as well if you're you're just unsure of what it all is but basically like just just look at the really big things which is make sure that you get the contract checked prior to making an offer like just look through the contract um you know look at the easements on the property where are they it does it have any the overlays flood zones bushfire zones and then look at things like the position attributes and the property attributes so you know for example if a property doesn't have parking it might not be a big thing for you because maybe you catch public transport or you're a couple you've only got one car and you can park on the street but if a property has no parking that could be a massive thing for resale later down the track so that's what i just encourage you to be thinking about when you when you're doing all your due diligence, what and how is this going to affect me when I resell the property? What could impact the actual value of of this property? It's just the most important things. And I, I know that you touched on that as well just a bit before, Jonah. Is there anything else you want to add on that?
1: Yes, absolutely. Due diligence is, is your last step, but probably the, one of the most important, absolutely. Ticking all the boxes and making sure that it's the right property to go ahead with. Will I get into my in the media, mate.
0: Yeah, mate, go for it. What have What have you found for us today? what's the What's the article of the of the, the flavour of the week?
1: Absolutely. So, um, the name of the article is 19 year old Reveals How She Got on the Property Ladder Despite Builder Going Bust." Nineteen years old. I I know what I was doing at nineteen, and absolutely wasn't buying houses. So, a nineteen-year-old property manager, Zelta Medenis, started saving for her first home at just thirteen years old, working at a cafe from thirteen to seventeen. And then, as a property manager, manager, she saved up enough to put a deposit on a yet to be built off the plan apartment, which obviously we would never recommend. But luckily, luckily for her, the builder went bust. Um, she got a deposit back, and then she ended up purchasing a one bedroom unit in St Kilda on Incumman Street, which is very high demand area, of course. So she bought that at 19 for 378,000. Um, so she's now paying off her mortgage instead of a ridiculously high rent in St Kilda, as you can imagine and has really set herself up for a very promising financial future. As we all probably wish we did what, what Zelta did, there are some really good lessons within this story. I think, like, we, like you said earlier, that your first home isn't your forever home. A one-bedroom unit is not gonna be anyone's forever home, but allows her to enter the market, pay off her mortgage, build equity, and then potentially buy another, few, another property down the line, it's about building a portfolio it's a stepping stone to more to more properties, not your forever home, so she's really set herself up here um, for a, a very bright future i believe
0: yeah, I think mate she got lucky with the with the off the plan apartment um not necessarily that it went bust, but the fact that she got a deposit back there's there's people in scenarios like that that don't
1: yeah absolutely I should probably note that she ended up using a ended up using a buyer's agent as well, so obviously for when she was buying a, a off-the-plan apartment she didn't use a buyer's agent but then um, when they went bust she's like okay what am I going to do here um, went to a buyer's agent and they secured a, that apartment which which is a very good investment in my opinion
0: yeah and I absolutely love stories like this because it's very easy for people especially like the younger generations to say you know oh it's too hard everyone's like oh you know it's so much harder now than what it is 20, 30 years ago like, we're not even going to try. What's the point in trying because it's too hard, right? Well, that's and, what every generation you know, it's says. A, it's every a, a, generation a out, says right? that your
1: generation had it better, had it easier. So it's just yeah. about working with. And yeah,
0: you are right. They'll probably they'll probably say that in 20, 30 years time. And like, does that change the reality that it is a lot harder now yeah. than it was thirty years ago? No, it is a lot harder now. Like that's one hundred percent a fact. But this is someone that saved the deposit up by seventeen. She didn't have she didn't have help from mum and dad. Mm. She essentially said that you know she was lucky to get um, you know a, a decent enough job, but she was you know working in cafes to, for a lot of this time, and she was you know just saved her butt off was her words. She's like very frugal, trying to just as best she can, and she got herself into the property market, and now she's paying a mortgage that's less than what the rent is there, so she's put herself into a, a position to get into another property sooner. 'Cause she can save more, but she's also in the position where she's probably gonna get a lot of equity in this property over the next three to five years. And then all of a sudden she's on her second home by the time she's, you know, twenty-five. And she'd be in a lot better position than what a lot of other twenty five year olds are. So yeah, I I just love this. I think I think it's it's awesome that she was able to do this at, at such a young age. And she did it by herself, so it also mentions that she didn't have help from mum and dad in here. Like yep. she did no this by herself. No help from mom and
1: dad, guys. That's what everyone seems to say. If someone else is doing well, they must have rich parents. But no, this is all on her own, all of her own hard work. So,
0: Yeah, that's I, I love this. I reckon that's awesome. And something that we can touch on in an upcoming episode because I think that um, we're going to do a deep dive soon on the government grants and schemes. But as a sneak peek on that, yep. she used the super saver scheme to help her get into her property. So she used the super saver scheme and that was what allowed her to pretty much save her deposit by the age of 17. And she did actually save the deposit by 17 for the off-the-plan apartment. So luckily she got that back and then used that again um, later on when she was 19 to actually purchase the property. So yeah, 17 years old using some government schemes and getting into the property market. How awesome is that? I absolutely love this story.
1: Yeah, guys, that should be some motivation for you, I think, Um, at 19 years old. So how old are you? Get in the market, (laughs) goddammit.
0: That's it. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode. Make sure to check out www.tommy.com.au to get access to our How's the Market blog and join the mailing list. And we shall see you again in next week's episode. You can follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Jonah underscore Tommy underscore Geelong and Tristan Larkin. See you then, guys. See you, guys. No oh. oh. oh.